Hello and welcome to Strong Songs, a podcast about music. I'm your host, Kirk Hamilton, and I'm here on an off week with a very special bonus episode just for you. That's right, I'm here to try something a little bit different this week and talk about five albums that shaped me as a musician, as a person. These are, I guess you could say, five of my favorite albums. They're also just five albums that were very musically important to me and that I thought I would share with all of you. There is another reason for this episode, and that is the special announcement I'm making today. And that's that I'm launching a Patreon to support future episodes of Strong Songs. So this episode is a bit of a one-two punch, or let's call it a one-two high five. Uh, This is a pitch from me to all of you to consider supporting the show on Patreon. And then also, you know, something extra, because I didn't want to just make a sales pitch. I wanted to include something extra. And hey, it seems like a good excuse to make a bonus episode. So let's get the Patreon stuff out of the way up front. Patreon, if you haven't heard of it, is sort of a service that lets you pledge money to support independent shows like Strong Songs or, you know, YouTube channels, illustrators, photographers, that kind of thing. There's a bunch of really cool stuff happening on Patreon, and I've been thinking about doing one for a little while for this show. Finally decided a couple weeks ago, and I've been sort of figuring out how I want to do it, and now I'm finally doing it. So you can find my page at patreon.com slash strong songs. And it's an ongoing thing where you can pledge a certain amount of money every month, and then that money supports the creation of the show through that month. So each month of this show is pretty much two episodes, so you're kind of pledging, you know, $5 a month, and that'll support me making two episodes that month. If you go over to the Patreon page, I've also linked it down in the show notes, very easy to find. And if you go over there, I've actually made a video where I explain sort of the ins and outs of it and make my pitch. Um, it was fun to make a video, I don't normally get to do that, and it's a very different process than making a podcast, let me tell you. But the video was fun to make. It also actually has some kind of fun uh, behind-the-scenes videos of me making various episodes because I've been recording myself as I do it. So if you're a fan of this show, you might just enjoy watching that video, even if you decide not to pledge. The upshot is that I spend a lot of time working on this show. Um, you know, I'm a professional musician. I have a lot of projects going, but Strong Songs has kind of quickly become one of my main projects, which when I started it, I was more thinking it would be a fun thing I would do on the side. But it's grown a lot faster than I was expecting, actually, because a lot of you have been wonderful and have told your friends about it, and people just really seem to like the show. And as it's grown, maybe kind of unsurprisingly, I've gotten more and more excited about doing it. I've put more and more work and research into every episode. I just, I really want to constantly kind of top myself, which is really cool and something that, you know, is in my nature and it's very hard not to do. But, you know, I'm not getting paid at all for any of this. And it's been, you know, each episode will take multiple days to finish. So it's to the point where I really want to keep putting as much time into it as I have been. But in order to do that, it just, it has to kind of turn into some sort of an income source for me. And, you know, I thought about doing maybe a subscription model. I've thought about selling ads, but neither of those really seem like things that I want to do. So a Patreon, like a totally voluntary opt-in kind of a thing, seemed like the way to go. I've heard from some listeners over the months who seem like they're into this kind of thing, which is really, really cool. And this is a chance for them to support the show in that way. I want to stress that nothing about Strong Songs is changing. If you're hearing this and you can't afford to back the show financially, you just want to keep listening, I totally get it. That's totally fine. Nothing will change. It'll really be like nothing has even happened. So I'll mention the Patreon campaign, probably on episodes, but that'll be it. Um, It's really actually important to me that this show be as accessible as possible. I love that teachers tell their students to listen to it. I love that parents tell their kids to listen to it. I'm not interested in doing Patreon-exclusive episodes or breaking things into tiers. Some people get some things, some people get other things. None of that, really. Um, If you back the show, you'll get some behind-the-scenes stuff. I might share some thoughts on the music before the episode comes out, that kind of thing. I'm still sort of figuring out how that's all going to work, but really this is just for anybody who, who wants to 
and can afford to back the show, I hope you'll consider it, and if you don't want to, it's totally fine. So you can find more information at patreon.com slash strong songs, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash strong songs, there's also a link in the notes, and yeah, thanks for considering it. I'm a little nervous about this, I'm nervous to be kind of escalating the show in this way, but I'm really only doing it because so many of you have been listening and so many people have told me that they like the show and they want me to keep doing it. It's been so meaningful to me to hear from all of you and just to know that so many people are listening to this show that I'm getting to share my thoughts on music with this many people. I really just can't say how cool that's been and how much I want to keep doing it. So this is a small part of making that happen and I really appreciate that you'd consider supporting the show. All right, let's get into the music recommendations. The first album that I want to share is a 1991 Frank Zappa album called The Best Band You Never Heard in Your Life. Uh, Frank Zappa was not a major guy for me when I was coming up as a musician. I, you know, I was a jazz saxophonist in high school. I was really, really into jazz uh, for a long time, but I kind of didn't branch out into all of the parallel advanced types of music that were happening. I knew about Frank Zappa, but I wasn't super aware of him. That changed when I heard this album, which is a sort of a big band album. It's a compilation of stuff from a 1988 world tour that he did. And it's not quite a full jazz big band, but it's a large group. And it's a, it was a sort of an ensemble that I understood when I heard it. So when I heard what they were doing with a sort of small big band horn section plus very elaborate rhythm section and a bunch of singers, it just blew my mind when it really clicked for me. This album was actually my introduction to a bunch of Zappa tunes that had been on previous albums, but this is where I heard them for the first time, so I think of these recordings as kind of the definitive ones. Uh, I, the album kind of takes a minute to get going, but by the time they hit the song Zombie Wolf, they're really kind of cooking, and then the back half of the first disc of this album is just incredible. Uh, the tune Zombie Wolf, I've stolen this idea for having a breakdown, a vocal breakdown like this, so many times. It's such catnip for music nerds. I'm kind of surprised that I didn't get into it earlier than I did, but it is just so much stuff going on. These mixed meter passages, these really high level of musicianship. The band is so, so tight. Uh, it's, it's all pretty incredible. I mean, they do this cover of Bolero that gave me a new appreciation for how great Ravel's Bolero actually is, because it's just a straight up, you know, rendition of it with their instrumentation, but it builds to this ridiculous climax. Really, more than any of the other tracks on this album, though, there's this one-two punch. This one is a punch. It's not a one-two high five. Um, it's a one-two punch of Andy and then Inca Rhodes, both famous Frank Zappa tunes that I didn't know, but hearing them played by this band for the first time just lit me on fire. There's this breakdown in Andy where the trombone takes over the melody. It's actually not a section that's a lot like the rest of the song, which is this super high energy fast song, but it works so well as a centerpiece. I've always loved just that approach to building a centerpiece of your song is bring everything way down and just introduce a new melody and have, you know, the trombones play it, because why not? <laughs> Give me a break. 
Um, of course, Inca Rhodes is a well-known Zappa tune. I didn't know it. And the thing that really knocked me out of this song is there's this very, very technical section. This, I guess it's a soli, which is when a whole group of instruments plays um, a line together. There's this soli in that song that's really, really technical and difficult the first time you hear it. Check it out. They're in seven, right? So the counting is like... One two one two one two three one two one two one two three one two one two one two three. So ridiculously burning, right? But then there's the soprano sax solo, and after the soprano sax solo, they do the same line twice as fast. What? So, uh, yeah, really, um, really good album. Album that freaked me out and made me basically realize that you can do a whole lot more with a horn section, a rhythm section, and a few singers than I had maybe previously realized was possible. The next album that shaped me is an interesting one. It's very different than the Zappa album, and it's the Cardigans 1996 album First Band on the Moon. Now, you may not know this album, but you definitely know one song from it, and that song is this song. That song, Love Fool, was definitely the Cardigans' biggest hit. It was featured on the Boz Lerman Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, which is how I knew about it and how I think a lot of people who were in high school in the 90s knew about it. Thing is, the song is really, really good in the context of the album and sort of works differently because this whole album is incredible. I didn't know anything about the Cardigans and sort of randomly listened to it. It was when I was in my sort of first formative post-jazz music school phase where I was learning guitar and wanted to write songs and sort of moving away from jazz and listening to a band like this there's just so much creativity there's so many cool counter melodies in all of their songs everything on this album is really really good and also really kind of messed up and sad and I like that this song actually Love Fool is a really sad and kind of twisted song when you listen to the lyrics and a lot of their stuff is that way and I just I love the sort of mix of the beautiful light vocals the really creative arrangements and then the kind of bleak darkness of the song I really just think this is an amazing album and I keep coming back to it. I'm still listening to it, you know, almost 20 years since I first started listening to it. It's incredible. This is also a cool album to know if you want to catch like cool music references in movies and TV shows because occasionally people will include a song that maybe you don't know from First Band on the Moon and then you'll feel really cool because you'll know it. Another track that I really like is a tune called Never Recover that I've always wanted to cover in a band that I'm in. Um, I want to cover Never Recover and I've never had a chance to do it, but maybe one day it'll happen. It's a really cool song, though. Like, even right there on the chorus, there are these really cool keyboard guitar counter melodies going on. There's a lot of just creativity and care put into this album. It's super good. Cardigans, first band on the moon. Great album. Go listen to it. 
Number three on the list of five albums that shaped me is a jazz record from 1958 called Stan Getz and the Oscar Peterson Trio. Now, Stan Getz is a tenor saxophone player, one of my favorite tenor saxophone players. He and Sonny Rollins, I would say, are the two guys that I transcribed the most and learned from, at least from sort of 50s, 60s guys. Both are incredible, and Stan is just a brilliant musician, definitely someone I'll talk about more on Strong Songs. He has a lot of great albums, but this one is probably my favorite and one of my favorite jazz records of all time, and that's kind of for a specific reason. It's partly because everybody plays really well on the album, but it's partly because there's no drummer. So the personnel on this on this album is Stan Getz is playing tenor sax, Oscar Peterson, of course, is playing piano, Ray Brown is playing bass, and Herb Ellis is playing guitar. Notably, uh, Louis Belson, who played drums a lot with the Os- Oscar Peterson trio, is not on this album. So this is a drummerless album. Now, I'm not saying that I don't like drums. Lord knows I like drums. I like Louis Belson, too. The guy's amazing. I actually saw him play once, and it was super cool back when I was in high school. Um, it's more that I like that the, the fact that there's no drummer sort of exposes the rest of the musicians and really shows off their own individual grooves, which is really, really cool. So you get, you know, the overall sound of the album is something like this. This is the opening track, I Want to Be Happy, which is just a burner. jazz, the drummer plays this really important role of both kind of keeping the time, because it's such a percussive instrument, obviously you're hitting cymbals and hitting drums, so you're defining the time, you're comping and like adding, you know, hits and reacting to what people are playing, and when you take the drummer away, something really interesting happens, and it's it kind of shines a light on uh, the rest of the group in a really cool way, and these guys in particular, I mean all four of the people in this group are some of the greatest jazz musicians who ever lived, and their time is so good, I mean Stan Getz's time is just perfect and ridiculous, and when you take the drums away, it actually kind of um, it emphasizes that in a way that I think really works well on this album. Also on this tune, man, Oscar Peterson just takes the most burning solo. It's ridiculous. His time is just perfect on this whole track and he gets going so hard it's actually really funny he plays a solo and his solo is so burning that stan gets takes a whole other solo after oscar peterson's solo because i feel like he just he felt like he needed to say something after that solo so the whole thing kind of escalates in a way that i really like anyways stan gets with the oscar peterson trio is a fantastic album there's a bunch of cool stuff on it and uh yeah definitely one of my favorite records and something that's like aspirational tenor saxophone playing to me and just just killer musicianship all around now i want to include a rock tune here i know we haven't talked a ton about rock on strong songs yet anyways though i really do uh, like a lot of rock bands i am not a huge metal fan though i definitely appreciate a good metal band as well but um to talk about rock and look at sort of albums that shaped me i'm actually going to make a kind of a random pick and that pick is the chinese album by space hog Thank you. 
Oh, I know, kind of a random pick. Space Fog is not exactly like one of the most beloved rock bands of all time or anything, but I actually think this album is really, really good. It's partly that I think Royce and Langdon, the lead singer, is a pretty awesome singer, and it just kind of is a very creative album. It's very stylistically diverse. It goes all over the place. There's this song, Lucy's Shoe, the second track that I really like. So the album is good. There's some good songs on it, especially like the first three songs are great. But the reason I'm picking it is kind of because I'm looking at albums that shaped me in some way. And this album, for whatever reason, the first time I heard Space Hog, it was a type of rock music that I wasn't super familiar with. And I don't know, it sort of spoke to me in this certain way of, of realizing, oh, this kind of more theatrical, elaborate and stylistically varied style of rock music is possible and is something that a band can do well. So it was really, it was ear opening for me just to hear that. And it kind of opened the door to a lot of other types of music that I then got into after I first heard Space Hog. Okay, so it's time for the fifth and final album that shaped me, though I should say, even in thinking through this episode, there are so many more albums that I could talk about. I kind of just picked five at random, but there are probably a hundred different ones, which makes me think this could be a fun thing to do every so often when I have time, just to kind of talk about five albums that I like. So this last pick is someone that I'm guessing a lot of you listeners maybe haven't heard of. She is a composer and band leader named Maria Schneider, and one of the most amazing musicians that I know of in the world. She's been a huge influence on me. She totally changed how I conceive of horn arranging and of band arranging and basically of, of everything. Um, I first saw her lead a band when I was at school. She attended the University of Miami just for a bit, I think, which is the school that I studied jazz at. And she would come down every now and then and she'd direct the, the top big band. And then I eventually saw her own big band in New York. And it was, the, it was my first encounter with music like the kind of music that she was writing. And it completely blew my mind the first time that I heard her. So the album that I'm including here is a 2000 album called Allegress. It was the first album of hers that I knew, and the opening track is really the one that knocked me out the first time I heard it. She has a lot of great compositions on her other albums, um, but but this one was the one. It's called Hang Gliding. She tells a story before she performs it with, with the group, and it's kind of the story of how she went hang gliding and how that experience just totally freaked her out, how it was this amazing, terrifying experience of basically flight, and she wanted to write a piece of music that encapsulated that so she wrote this very lengthy um, big band instrumental piece called Hang Gliding and man it's such a good piece of music. Here's a clip. The way that the piece is almost a conversation between the different sections, people will pulse and build and these lines will kind of weave in and out of one another as they build up and down and man, it's so cool.
There's so much going on. It's so beautiful. And seeing her direct a band live is actually a big part of it too. You can hear it in the stereo pan actually, but she's directing a big band. So this is a jazz big band. Is like a you know five saxophones, four trombones, four or five trumpets, and a rhythm section. So kind of three different horn sections and a rhythm section. But the way that she arranges the band on stage, I believe she puts the saxes to the left and like the trumpets are to the right, and maybe the trombones are in the middle with the rhythm section behind them. They're arranged differently. The horns aren't all stacked up the way they normally are. And then she stands in the middle and her directing style is this, it's almost like dancing or Tai Chi. She moves with the music and pulls it out of the different sections and it's beautiful and really cool to watch. It's sort of enhanced by the fact that the music itself is so unusual and kind of just pulsing and moves and flows like water. She's amazing. Her music is amazing. Um, I really recommend tracking down her albums and buying them directly from her. Uh, you can listen to some of it on streaming. I'm, I'm linking to a kind of collection that's on Spotify. Some of her stuff is a little harder to find, but I actually would say just go out of your way to uh, to support her and actually buy her albums from her website because they're all really, really good. Just nothing but incredible uh, instrumental music. That'll do it for this bonus episode of Strong Songs. I hope you check those five albums out. And if you do, let me know what you think of them. I'm easy to track down at strongsongspodcast at gmail.com. And I'm on Twitter at Kirk, K-I-R-K, Hamilton. I hope you'll consider backing the show on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. It's patreon.com slash strongsongs. I appreciate your consideration. And yeah, if you're going to go support it, thanks so much. Thanks to all of you, really, for listening, for making the first six months of Strong Songs so much fun, for spreading the word, and just for making this an amazing experience. I really I just can't say enough how much fun I'm having. So thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week with yet another episode of Strong Songs. Strong Songs.